This is FM 100.5, 101.9, AM 1450, and WGNSRadio.com. Rutherford County's Place to Talk. Stand by, Rutherford County. The WGNS Action Line continues a search for truth. News time right now is 821. You're tuned to WGNS on this Tuesday morning, today the 14th of December. And in studio with us this morning, we have physician St. Thomas Rutherford Hospital President and CEO Gordon Ferguson. Gordon, how are you this morning? Doing fine, doing fine. Thanks, Kind of chilly out there, isn't it? Just a little bit, yeah. <laughs> so a lot happening with the hospital here locally. A lot of growth is forecasted as well. And this morning we're going to kind of cover a, a broad, a, a broad, I guess, overview of the hospital, the state of the hospital, and what we're going to see in the future. So I guess kind of start out with what are some of the plans? Thank you, Scott. Yes, we are going through a, a very busy period right now when you consider the fact that uh, we're still taking care of a good number of COVID patients in our hospital. Um, uh, just this morning, uh, our COVID census was about right at 50 patients, um, and about a third of those are patients that have actually recovered from the virus, but they are still in need of a lot of critical care in terms of the, the damage that's been done to their lungs. So while I know that we're we're feeling a little bit better about uh, COVID in general, I think I just read this morning that in Rutherford County, I think we're seeing a a bit of a decline, uh, but unfortunately we still do have some very sick individuals in our hospital that are requiring a lot of care. And around that note, I just think it's very worthwhile for us to recognize the efforts of really all frontline healthcare workers, ones that have really been uh, tried uh, in, a, in a way that they've never been challenged before to take care of this particular population and I know we hear and see a lot about healthcare workers fatigue and the stress that they're under and I will just say that's very true information. Uh, one thing though that we do to, to try and counter that is to make sure that we're recognizing our staff on a, on a regular basis and uh, we've got several associate recognition initiatives but uh, recently we did announce our physician award uh, recipients for this year and so grateful to Dr. Mary Jane Brown, who's part of our emergency room group. Uh, she was recognized as our physician of the year, and we recognized our intensivist physicians, those that take care of patients within our critical care unit. And then Dr. Mike Jordan was uh, received the Owen Williams Distinguished Service Award. And we really appreciate WGNS for what you do to recognize the Heart for Healing uh, uh, winners and just the most recent one for this month was uh, our own Dr. Stephen Rich, who will be taking over next year as the chief of the medical staff at Ascension St. Thomas Rutherford. So, I wanted just to start by by talking about the people because really, it's our staff, our nurses, our lab techs, our imaging techs, all the way through to those that keep our facility looking clean and working properly. We just want to just keep recognizing them for the work they're doing. One of the most exciting things we've got going on right now is we just started moving dirt uh, for our new West Lawn Neighborhood Hospital. 
that facility is really will be the first of its kind in the state of Tennessee. It's a relative new concept, but uh, we've got several of these hospitals located in other Ascension ministries in Wisconsin, Indiana, and Texas. And this one will be eight beds and then eight emergency room uh, treatment areas. Uh, It will also have imaging and lab, and we are predicting that that facility will be complete and open right about one year from now, and that's going to be located uh, just off 840 at Veterans Parkway. So we're very excited to get that project underway. So that'll serve all of the Blackman community, and I'm sure other areas as well will come to that hospital. What areas surrounding there do you expect to visit that hospital as opposed to coming all the way into town to visit the one on Medical Center Parkway? It really will take care of that growing component of our population, as you mentioned, Blackman. And I think really from there all the way to the western border of, of Rutherford County, if not So uh, probably Triune, Arrington, all of that. Correct. Okay. Correct. And I will just underscore, it is a facility that it's, it's meant for lower acuity patients. And uh, since it will not have any surgical capabil- capabilities, we will still see this as a, a satellite of the main uh, Ascension St. Thomas Rutherford Hospital. Now, going back to the COVID issue, I know right now you said you have around 50 COVID patients. Is that number down drastically compared to, let's say, a year ago? Very much so, yes. I think our peak was around 140 to 150, uh, and that was certainly in the midst of the, the Delta virus. and. I will tell you, we are huge proponents of the vaccination. We really believe that the number of patients that we see in our hospital, the majority of those patients have not been vaccinated. And I think for those that are still doubting the the effectiveness or the principles around this, I would just say that uh, everything from hand hygiene to wearing masks to social distancing, I know we are all getting a little bit more comfortable, but I would just hope that we don't let our guard down too much uh, so that we don't see yet another surge. But yes, we are very fortunate in that uh, the volume that we're seeing now is significantly lower than than where we were within the last 12 months. Again, with us this morning in studio, Ascision St. Thomas Rutherford Hospital CEO, uh, Gordon Ferguson, and also president of the hospital. Now, with COVID-19, I know there is still a whole lot of, I don't know, just not understanding how dangerous it can be out there in the community. I think a lot of folks don't fully understand or grasp how dangerous it can be, especially for the elderly. And from the stories we've heard on CBS, the stories we've read, you hear a lot of cases about where somebody checks into the hospital with COVID-19, they're elderly, and family thinks, well, you know, they're okay, they're talking, they're able to carry on a conversation. And then all of a sudden, their health drastically takes a turn for the worst within a matter of days. And I think that's hard for people to really get a grip on because when you check in, you think, grandfather grandma is going to be okay and then all of a sudden it goes downhill and that's one of the scary things i guess about covid19 it is and uh, i think what makes that even more of a challenge is that uh in, in a good number of these cases we have to be careful about visitation and who can be 
allowed into the room just for their own safety and protection. But yes, it, it has had an impact on the elderly, but I will also say that probably most recently we've seen this really um, attack the younger population. Uh, just a anecdotal fact is um, overnight I know we had an individual, a female who was 47 years old, had been in our hospital for about 12 days and, fi- and unfortunately passed away during the evening. That's, you know, it, it hits home when you read and see people of your own age. And again, uh, COVID really has, I think, opened our eyes that it it's really does not have any protected groups that are less likely to, to get this if you are placed in close proximity to somebody that has it uh, and if for any reason your immunity system is is down a little bit you've got a a very high chance of uh, contracting the virus some may get it and have mild symptoms and and move on but there are others that just you see that that progression of of them really deteriorating over time and i guess some folks may have underlying health conditions that maybe they didn't even realize they had until they get the covid virus correct correct so it's it's a scary thing it is i i would like just to mention we had one individual who had a very bad case and was in our hospital i think for about two months and uh at one point he wasn't sure if he was going to to make it but he he uh struggled through it and i just tip my hat to our physicians and our, our nursing staff and uh, this individual was able to be discharged from the hospital. He is now participating in our pulmonary rehab program and actually came back to the hospital a few weeks ago just to thank the physicians and the nurses that took care of him and presented each of them with a Guardian Angel Award that is a, a recognition tool that we provide through our, our foundation. So it was so gratifying, one, to see him uh, back um, regaining his strength and and then also the fact that he would take the time to come and thank the staff was very touching i I think we had a story on him on our website but yeah it and we had pictures of you know from the start to the finish And, and you know that finish line that he crossed was surviving and and he's going through rehabilitation like you said uh but man the the pictures in the beginning that i guess the family shared it, it was scary looking. He was on a ventilator, I believe. He was. He was. Lost a lot of weight. And uh, as I said, you know, I think for a while there it was touch and go. But um, I think the more that we deal with our COVID patients in general, uh, our physicians are seeing what works and what may not work as well as uh, urg- originally thought. But still is a very real thing that we're dealing with um, both in our community and within the hospital again this morning we're talking about our local hospital here in murfreesboro which is st thomas rutherford hospital decision st thomas rutherford on medical center parkway a a long history of health care with that hospital starting out of course as middle tennessee uh, medical center in downtown murfreesboro then later moving and building this brand new hospital a number of years back and now growing again towards the Blackman community. Now, one thing that is going to be added is a helicopter. This will be the first, I guess, helicopter actually stationed at the hospital, right? That's correct, Scott. 
you know, it, it's hard to believe that next spring we'll actually be celebrating our 95th uh, anniversary. So uh, those that um, may have been around close to that time certainly remember our location back on University Avenue and Highland Avenue. And it really is amazing the way we've been able to to grow and address the needs of, of our community over the years. But the announcement that we made uh, recently is we're very excited about the fact that we will have uh, an area ambulance based in Rutherford County. Uh, it's going to take us a little bit of time to actually get the permanent uh, structure in place, but we are very excited that uh, in partnership with AeroVac, uh, this uh, helicopter will, will actually have the Ascension St. Thomas uh, logo and brand on it, which we're excited about. But more importantly, the reason we're doing this is that having a helicopter stationed uh, at the hospital, close to the hospital, will really help in terms of response times to some of your more significant accidents or uh, trauma that may require uh, air transport versus ground transport. And uh, we've had a long partnership with AirVac, and uh, they finally uh, felt that uh, Rutherford County, and particularly Ascension St. Thomas Rutherford, was a, a facility with given our, our volume and our plans to enter into more um, higher acuity programs and services, that this would be the right thing to do. So where will the helicopter be located in the future? Will it be directly next to the existing St. Thomas Rutherford, or will it be elsewhere? It it will be close to the hospital. Um, probably in the beginning part, it may be stationed at the hospital in the existing helipad, but long-term, we are working through the feasibility of a, a location adjacent to the hospital. Okay. And this, this is big, you know, for a community of, you know, the size of Rutherford County, 350,000 population. Uh, it's big to have your own helicopter that's actually stationed here. Correct. Yes. Again, it's, it's something that um, a lot of folks have been working on for a good uh, number of months. And uh, we feel that with our plans to uh, eventually be a level two trauma hospital that this would be uh, the right thing to do to improve patient care. So what kind of an area will this helicopter cover? I mean from Murfreesboro going outwards how far of an area will it cover? I don't have the specifics. Um, certainly we know that within our service area uh, that covers um, an additional four or five counties that down that I-24 corridor, uh, we're really between here and Chattanooga. There, there are no uh, trauma programs. So we, we believe that, in general, the service area that the hospital currently provides will certainly benefit from this, as well as the areas where our regional hospitals are located and areas such as uh, DeKalb County and Warren County. It seems like for years, almost, you know, if there was an imaginary line from the middle of Manchester going towards Chattanooga and then the middle of Manchester coming towards Murfreesboro, that would be Rutherford County. Uh, of course, coverage for hospital evacuations, you know, or, or rather uh, transportation, air evac transportations. And then from Ma Manchester towards Chattanooga, I guess it would be Erlinger. 
Um, but it's it's interesting how that area is divided up, and I'm sure what all the hospitals have a map of saying this is the area we're going to fly to, and you fly to that area. Correct. Yes, it's it's a very well orchestrated thing, and of course the main intent here is to get the patient to the right facility uh, as quick as possible, especially if there's if it's a cardiac event or, as I mentioned earlier, some kind of trauma. But we are seeing that that uh, imaginary boundary uh, grow to some degree down further toward Mount Eagle Mountain. We recently had a, a couple that uh, had historically gone to Chattanooga and uh, are now coming up I-24 to, to Rutherford Hospital. Now, how do you decide what level of trauma you're able to take on in the emergency room? Because I know there are different levels, like you mentioned. For example, I guess in the past we saw gunshot victims. They're transported to a hospital in Nashville. Uh, so what, what are we going to see more of as you grow? There's, there are really two components to becoming a, a level two trans, uh, trauma center. One has to do with your physician coverage, and the other has to do just with your overall quality of care and the ability to have really multiple departments work in perfect unison to make sure that our trauma patients get the care as quickly as they possibly can. In terms of the physicians, and one of the benefits that we are already seeing is that we now have 24-7 in-house trauma surgeons at the hospital. Uh, that That is a first for us, but that is one of the more significant requirements that you need uh, to be designated a level two trauma program. Uh, there are other uh, specialty areas that we've recruited into, including vascular surgery, neurosurgery, and then working with our partners at TOA, uh, orthotrauma uh, surgeons have been recruited. So it's a, a very well-defined requirements that are put out by the state of Tennessee. And uh, we've got to go through a process where once we're ready, we would invite the state to come in and review our program as it's initially set up. And then from that point, you've got one year uh, to work out uh, any deficiencies that have been identified. And then the state would come back again in that one year period. And if you're successful at that point, then you can really promote yourself to being a level two trauma center. So. I know there's some confusion about, well, are you already doing it? Are you not? And it's it's really a work in, in progress, but it will not be for uh, just over another year that we could actually promote ourselves to be a level two trauma program. I would guess the average person out there doesn't really realize what goes into making an emergency room and what level of patient to take in. So here in Murfreesboro, when someone is taken to the emergency room and they do need emergency surgery, is there a surgical suite or an operating room in the actual ground floor emergency room? We actually spent um, some of our capital dollars to reconfigure part of the ER where we've got two uh, trauma bays. Uh, we've also we've all, always had these bays, but uh, they've been really completely redone to the point where, if needed, you could do a surgical procedure in one of those two rooms. And um, then we've also got to make sure that uh, we've got OR capacity up on the, on the second floor, but 
these are the type of things that we have to demonstrate that we've got available so that we're always on the ready and that we can take care of, of these patients. But we are excited. We've hired um, a trauma program coordinator that came out of Erlanger. Uh, we've also hired several uh, trauma resuscitation nurses that are already in place now, and they're helping to train some of our other nurses, both within the ER and our critical care unit. So there's a lot of activity taking place that's not very visible to the public, uh, but I can tell you that we are working diligently to make sure that we get this program set up correctly. Again, with us this morning, Gordon Ferguson, President and CEO of Ascision St. Thomas Rutherford Hospital. And we've talked a little bit about that Blackman area and about the new facility that is going to be built there and how that is expected to be open and ready in about a year or so. Uh, And we also talked, of course, about the helicopter that's going to be a full-time part of the hospital here in Murfreesboro in Rutherford County. But one of the items we haven't really talked about yet, and I know we did last time you were on the air, that is a program that focuses specifically on the heart and doing heart surgery. And that would be a huge addition to the hospital here. And that would take the level of care upwards even more so talk a little bit about that yes uh, some of the listeners may recall that earlier this year we did receive approval from the state of tennessee uh, health services uh, board that allowed us to uh, begin an open heart surgery program Um, at this point we've focused our efforts on making sure that we've got the right surgeons uh, connected to our program, and this will be done very closely with our colleagues within St. Thomas Heart, uh, based primarily at St. Thomas West. And we've had several surgeon candidates come in and look at the area and look at our program and have expressed a lot of excitement about being part of a new program. And we've got several other cardiac surgeons that we're going to be interviewing. So in addition to that, We're also looking at uh, the equipment that's going to be required. If I'm not mistaken, uh, I think around $5 million of equipment specifically for open heart surgery. And then we're also making sure that we've got the perfusionist team lined up as well as our nurses trained to take care of these patients. Right now we do a, a very healthy number of cardiac interventions um, where the place stents in parts of the heart that are just not getting the the circulation that that they need but really as you mentioned Scott this will take our program to the next level and will allow us to provide these procedures to individuals that quite frankly in the past have had to travel up I-24 and we are very grateful for the support that we've got from our leadership within Ascension and also with our partners with uh, St. Thomas Hart, that we're going to really make this program uh, the best that that it can be and be able to offer to this uh, community, hopefully in just over a year. Uh, We're we're kind of targeting the first quarter of 2023 to, to begin this program. So currently, stents can be put in here locally. Uh, however, when it comes to open heart surgery, that's when it comes to time to transport that patient to the St. Thomas location on the other side of Nashville, I guess. And they, they do that usually by ambulance, I assume? 
in some cases, depending on uh, the, the condition of the, the patient. And um, yes, it, it will be a, a great help, I think, to our community to be able to provide this here locally. I remember when my father had to have open-heart surgery, and, of course, that first stop was here in Murfreesboro, and then next thing you know, doctors were saying, well, we need to get you across town on the other side of Nashville to our location there because you're going to need open-heart surgery, and it all happens very quickly, and for the family, you know, it's it's a drive to go back and forth that far because it's in traffic about an hour's drive. It is, it is, and there's, there's certain procedures that are borderline in terms of the interventional cardiac procedures that we've said, you know, this might just be too risky, so let's go ahead and transfer this patient. Uh, so once we get our program up and going, we'll be able to do some of these interventions that in the past were, were probably not advisable to do without that open heart backup. Right now that time, 8.45, we are gonna take a short break, but when we come back, I wanna talk a little bit more about the current hospital location and if there is room for growth on that campus, if we have any, I guess, open floors that have not been fully finished yet, and if that is the case, is there room for more growth on those floors? So we'll talk a little bit about that when we come back. The state of the hospital here locally, Again, the time right now, 8.46. We'll be back in just a minute. Hi, this is Peter Demas with Demas's Family Restaurants. Do you know somebody who has moved far away and is missing eating at Demas's? Well, Demas's Family Restaurants now offers many of our sauces and some of our food, such as pot roast and soup, to be shipped all across the nation. It's very simple. You just go to demasfamilykitchen.com and you can send an order to anybody as a gift all across this nation. You can send an order to anybody. Go to DemasFamilyKitchen.com. Listen live to WGNS Radio on our website and Alexa or Google devices. Search WGNS Radio for on-demand podcasts in iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and Stitcher. Plus, we have direct links to podcasts at WGNSRadio.com. It's so important that we recognize our veterans, shake their hands and say how proud we are of the service that they have given to our country and that we thank them for that. I am Becky Bookner, and we salute our veterans. Folks, we try not to be controversial, but in these times, you can't help it. Tune in to Rutherford Magazine with your host, me, Mike Sparks, Sunday evenings from 5 to 6 p.m. Listen as we talk politics, some local history, faith, and freedom. WGNS proudly salutes and remembers our U.S. veterans who have served our country. In this salute, we talk to a veteran who served in the Marines. Andrew Farr. Marine combat veteran. I was born in Nashville, grew up in uh, New Hampshire, uh, went to boarding school, went to college, and then uh, enlisted in the Marine Corps. Did four years, three combat tours, and then got out in 2008. A combat veteran is not an easy job. No, it wasn't when I was in. And not you, for the Vietnam vets, uh, not for Korea, World right. War One, World War Two. Those guys had it rough. And I, I did have it rough, but not as not as bad as those guys. Well, that's that's true. And I think it's because society is, as a whole is becoming more aware of what we're asking yes. of our military personnel. You said you did three tours. It, that was uncommon. Back in then. Vietnam, you did one tour, two tours. That was it. But now we have guys doing three, five, six. six. seven. I've known a guy who did eight tours. Uh, we did the Democratic vote in 05 okay. in Iraq. We were a part of that. 2006, and eh, not so much humanitarian. 
Mm -hmm. uh, 2007, definitely humanitarian. We actually helped out Bangladesh in 07 when they had that micro tornado. We gave them food and water and, and uh, helped them uh, recover bodies from the mess. I think that our foreign policy in particular is asking a lot of the men and women yes, sir. in this country. I agree. Andrew Farr, Marine combat veteran. I'm Stephen Reynolds, the man in the middle. This has been a salute to veterans on WGNS Radio. Restoration One of Middle Tennessee. A team of experts and immediate responders who help homeowners after disaster strikes. After disaster strikes. Fire, water, or storm damage. We can help you get your life back to normal quickly. Restoration One Middle Tennessee.com. Locally and veterans. Listen live to WGNS Radio on our website and Alexa or Google devices. Search WGNS Radio for on demand podcasts in iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and Stitcher. Plus, we have direct links to podcasts at WGNSRadio.com. If you're looking for an authentic relationship with financial experts who genuinely care about your unique needs, Capstar Bank is for you. Capstar Bank is dedicated to the people of this community. Capstar Bank wants to help you reach your financial goals. Because at Capstar Bank, you matter to us. Capstar Bank, 2230 Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Boulevard, capstarbank.com, member FDIC, equal housing lender. Rutherford Issues with Brian Barrett. Hitting right at what matters most to all of us here in the heart of Tennessee. Weekday mornings at 10 on WGNS, AM, FM, and online. The Action Line on FM 101.9 and AM 1450 Murfreesboro, FM 100.5 Smyrna, and streaming at WGNSradio.com. Right now that time, 8.50, you're tuned to WGNS. And this morning, we are talking about Ascension St. Thomas Rutherford Hospital and the growth that we are seeing. Of course, the growth of Rutherford County is bringing on the growth of things like hospitals. And with us this morning, President and CEO Gordon Ferguson. And before that break, we talked a little bit, or I mentioned, the idea of growth at the current campus on Medical Center Parkway. Is there room? for more building there and are there vacant floors at the current hospital where you're going to transform those into new surgery centers or patient rooms you know one of the neat things about being able to build a hospital from the ground up is that uh, we were able back around 2005 as we were designing the the building to predict that in the future there would possibly and most likely be a need for additional beds over time. And so we recently uh, completed the expansion of the West Tower and that included shelling out the eighth floor of that West Wing. And so just very recently we did announce plans to go ahead and build out that floor uh, we currently have uh, a lot that's all shell space other than the Ann and Jeff Davis uh, conference room that will be converted back to a, a waiting area once the, the unit is complete. But that will give us the ability to place 36 beds on that eighth floor. And we believe that um, we'll con begin, construction, begin construction in February and hope to have that open in September of next year. In addition to that, we'll be doing some uh, expansion at the rear of the building, 
where we're going to be adding on additional critical care beds, and that will be on the second floor of the hospital adjacent to the existing critical care unit. And then we will also be adding on uh, six bassinets to our neonatal intensive care unit. And again, this would be much more difficult had we not planned for future growth and allowed for the facility to accommodate that with the least amount of disruption as, as possible. Certainly, the West Lawn Neighborhood Hospital will help uh, with some of the demand that we're seeing. And we're also continuing to see the trend of many procedures move from the inpatient setting to outpatient setting. And that's where our new ambulatory surgery center down at New Salem Highway, which is now open, uh, is going to come in very handy as we see more and more uh, procedures being done on the outpatient uh, basis. But yes, in terms of our ability to expand at Rutherford, this, this next expansion, it's uh, estimated to be $110 million. And uh, gratefully, we're going to be able to also construct a parking garage on our campus. Uh, this is something that we believe is very much needed when you come in and, and attempt to find a place to park at the hospital we don't want that to be a negative experience certainly over the last couple of years with our restrictions on visitation parking hasn't been as such a problem as it it was in the past but i think as we see our covid population population decline uh, and our visitation policies change to reflect that that we will once again be needing these additional parking spaces so this will be a a pretty large parking deck. We're estimating it would accommodate uh, about 1,000 to 1,100 cars and will be located uh, in a place that would be fairly close to our medical office buildings where uh, we hopefully will be able to also build a third medical office building. We don't have final approval to do that, but we're hoping that that's something that we'll get approval for within the next few months. Now, with all the growth, some 55 new doctors, physician assistants, and nurse practitioners have been hired. Are they now in place and working? The vast majority are, yes. We usually see a large influx of uh, new physicians and providers come in uh, late summer, early fall, especially for those that are completing their training uh, either in residency or fellowship. But, but yes, we've been very fortunate, I think, to attract some highly skilled physicians and surgeons, and uh, they are in the process of uh, acclimating to our community, and uh, we're just very excited that we've been able to recruit physicians that have either done very well in their training or have been out of training for several years and uh, have determined that this is a, a great place to settle down and start a practice and uh, raise their families. I, I know we only have about three and a half, four minutes left, but uh, in recent days, in fact, over this past weekend, the tornadoes that struck not only Tennessee, but also Kentucky were devastating, especially the ones in Kentucky. And of course, we had similar devastation back in, well, I think it was around 12 years ago on Good Friday that tornadoes wiped out at least a hundred homes throughout Rutherford County in those situations where you see 
you know, a, a mass flood of patients all at once over a 24-hour period, I know that can be hectic, is Ascension St. Thomas Rutherford prepared for that, and what do you do in those situations? Well, as you know, Scott, unfortunately, we, we have had uh, these devastating tornadoes uh, hit uh, our area in the past. Certainly, our hearts go out to those that have lost loved ones, both here in, in Tennessee and uh, particularly Kentucky. Um, we are required to go through uh, several times a year an exercise in disaster preparedness. And part of that is to do an analysis of what you think your most likely disasters would be. So for our uh, ministry hospitals down in the Gulf Coast, obviously they are focusing on hurricanes. Here, uh, tornadoes certainly are way up there in terms of our uh, risk factors and how we would respond to uh, an influx of patients coming into our ER. So yes, we we do go through drills for that. Uh, we've got physicians that know that uh, we'd be calling them if there was a lot of surgical needs. And our staff are constantly on the ready for either if it's our tornado, uh, God forbid, some um, other kind of traffic accident that may have multiple uh, individuals that are hurt. And I, I will say it, it's a challenge just given how busy our ER is. but. Uh, I think you'll find with healthcare workers, uh, they are very creative in working in situations which may not be totally ideal, but they are so focused on uh, applying their training and making sure that we're doing all we can to take care of patients uh, that might be victims of a tornado or, or other, some other kind of a, an event. Again, with us this morning, President and CEO of Ascision St. Thomas Rutherford Hospital, Gordon Ferguson. We have right at one minute left. So as we close this morning, is there anything you would like to highlight? I would just like to thank the listeners and our community at large for the support that they have provided to our hospital over the years in, in many ways. It could be a volunteer position that someone has, has uh, committed hours of their their life to and recently we had an event uh, that was uh, hosted by uh, Allion Maine where they raised thousands of dollars in support of our St. Louis Clinic and when you have individuals like that that, uh, that go to the trouble and, and take time to plan an event like that but then also those that just uh, support our foundation and particularly grateful to those that have really come in, delivered meals, chucked to sidewalks, sent thank you notes to our staff. That really means a lot, and I would just like to say thank you for that. Again, Gordon Ferguson with us this morning, and we're going to save this show, and we'll put it on the website in podcast form in just a little while at WGNSRadio.com. Gordon, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Scott. My pleasure. Time right now, 9 o'clock. You're tuned to WGNS Murphy's Bro on the air since 1947. And come January 1st, we'll be celebrating our 75th anniversary.